I want you to hit me as hard as you can. It's that time of year when, under normal circumstances, there's plenty of Christmas shopping or gathering to celebrate with friends and family, or just getting cozy with an appropriately themed movie, whether a classic, Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Something seasonal, but less conventional. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. Or maybe one of the holiday comedies that have become annual traditions. There's a number of popular choices to pick from, but not many have quite the same blend of Christmas spirit and black humor as the irreverent 1988 Bill Murray comedy, Scrooged. But the production of this twisted spin on the Dickens classic was not filled with holiday cheer. Murray himself described the experience as miserable. It was burdened with script changes, incompatible acting styles, and clashes with the director. So deck the halls with boughs of holly, and fa-la-la-la find out what the fuck happened to this movie. By now, you're surely familiar with the story of A Christmas Carol. First published in 1843, the famous tale from Charles Dickens follows ill-tempered miser Ebenezer Scrooge as he spends one fateful Christmas Eve learning life lessons from visiting ghosts who give him one final chance at redemption. Over the decades, A Christmas Carol has been adapted countless times in just about every conceivable format. In the early 1980s, Saturday Night Live writers Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donoghue had an idea for a modern spin on the Dickens classic, which they envisioned as a cynical, R-rated, dark comedy. They approached former SNL cast member Bill Murray with the script, but he said bah humbug to the offer. Bah humbug. After the monumental success of 1984's Ghostbusters and the lackluster response to his follow-up in that year's drama, The Razor's Edge, Murray's primary interest was spending time with his family. He was enjoying his self-imposed hiatus, only occasionally popping up in minor roles like Little Shop of Horrors. When Murray was interested in getting back in the game, the notably discerning actor was disappointed in the scripts he was receiving, and he eventually circled back to Scrooged. While he was reluctant to go from an ensemble like Ghostbusters to a leading man role, and all the pressures that entailed, Murray felt a comedy was the right choice for his return. He thought he could draw on his own behind-the-scenes TV experiences to play heartless network president Frank Cross, and he appreciated the story's moral substance and themes of contemplating one's future. Murray's hesitation over returning to the big screen paid off, literally. He would command a $6 million paycheck for his participation in Scrooged, collecting more money than the producer, director, and cast combined. But Murray wasn't completely enamored with the script, and Glazer and O'Donoghue helped extensively rework the story. As Murray told Starlog, we tore up the script so badly that we had parts all over the lawn. Among the revisions were amplified romantic elements and improved family scenes. Once the script was considered in satisfactory condition, the search began for a director. Sidney Pollock, who had worked with Murray on Tootsie, was initially slated to direct, but moved on after differences with the writers. At the time, Richard Donner was in demand after commercial hits like The Omen, Superman, The Goonies, and Lethal Weapon. Donner wasn't certain about making a comedy, and didn't know if he was a good match for Murray, but he was convinced after meeting the actor and sharing some high-quality tequila. The role of Claire, Frank's humanitarian ex-girlfriend, went to Karen Allen, best known from Raiders of the Lost Ark and Starman. Murray found a comfort level with Allen, who he had previously met at a small theater company in New England. Alfre Woodard, coming off the hit TV show Saint Elsewhere, landed the role of Frank's overworked but indispensable assistant, Grace. Donner lured Carol Kane to play the Ghost of Christmas Present by describing it as a demented version of Glenda the Good Witch from The Wizard of Oz. 
For the Ghost of Christmas Past, screamy comedian Sam Kinison was the frontrunner before he lost the role to New York Dolls singer David Johansson, aka Buster Poindexter, who had the benefit of being friends with Bill Murray. Kinison was infuriated about the turn of events, which was compounded by his stand-up rival Bobcat Goldthwait scoring a juicy role in the movie as a TV executive unceremoniously fired before Christmas. Bill Murray also charmed screen legend Robert Mitchum into taking a minor role as Frank's network boss. And he even found room for three brothers, John, Joel, and Brian Doyle Murray, although most of their scenes required ignoring Bill's presence. The Paramount movie began filming in December of 1987, shooting in New York City and on Hollywood sound stages for several months. Between his anxiety over being in the spotlight and his spontaneous acting style, Bill Murray's on-set behavior had immediate impacts. Despite all the efforts that had gone into rewriting the script, Murray considered it merely a springboard rather than sacred text, and he improvised constantly once cameras were rolling, much to the dismay of the writers, the director, and his on-screen partners. Karen Allen had just come from working on stage productions, which meant memorizing her lines and adhering to the letter of the script. That preparation was a jarring contrast to Murray's unrehearsed and unrestrained method. And while her screen relationship with Lumpy is ultimately the heart of the movie, Allen admits they were never completely in sync while filming. She described Murray as an unstoppable force, and later said, I could never quite figure out Bill's process really, and I don't even know if it's something to be figured out. Like Karen Allen, one of the reasons Carol Kane was attracted to Scrooge was due to the quality of the script. And while she was disappointed about departing from the written word, she did appreciate the flexibility of Murray's loose experimental style. In fact, for her scenes, she may have enjoyed it more than Murray. It was Murray's suggestion to be as physical as possible, and the two-fisted Christmas fairy didn't hold back. In particular, the harsh tugging on Murray's lip actually led to an injury that necessitated downtime for his face to heal. The gleeful abuse continued during Frank's voyeuristic visit to his brother and introduction to a kitchen appliance. Joel Murray, who appears in the scene as a party guest, said in an AV Club interview, it was frightening how close she came, time after time after time, to killing him. However, the sadistic spirit of Christmas present can't be blamed for all of Murray's scrooged bruises. Frank's unplanned restaurant stumble was just the result of a slippery floor. It just happened to be the take that made the final cut. Alfred Woodard wasn't immune from harm either, unexpectedly catching a flailing Frank elbow in the face. Carol Kane did have some emotional struggles during the shoot and was reportedly prone to periodic meltdowns and brief crying fits. One disenchanting moment involved her ballerina dance, for which she trained over several weeks with a ballet teacher, even learning point technique. But although she performed the dance with all her heart, Richard Donner found it unintentionally hysterical. Rather than employ a professional dancer as a double, they decided to use Kane's less-than-graceful performance, which actually ends up suiting the character. The director and his star were never on the same page. Well, technically Bill Murray wasn't really on any page, which was part of the problem. When asked in a Roger Ebert interview if he had creative disagreements with Donner, Murray replied, only a few, every single minute of the day. Murray claimed that Donner kept instructing him to do things louder and louder, speculating, I think he was deaf. Meanwhile, Richard Donner was frantically trying to keep up with his actor's manic process, saying that Murray comes at you from every direction. Donner said, you don't direct Billy, you pull him back, and also described Murray as superbly creative, but as difficult as any actor. The stress and responsibility of being in the spotlight became overwhelming for Murray, leaving him lonely and dejected as the disorganized production moved to Hollywood sound stages. With so much focus on his starring performance, Murray compared the experience to flunking grade school again and again, and said that he felt trapped on a smelly and smoky set. He also claimed the weeks of breathing fake snow had made him physically ill. 
Donner was often exasperated with his star, but when Murray was feeling unenthusiastic or exhausted from anxiety, the cast and crew tried to manufacture happiness around the actor, doing silly things to make Billy laugh, because Bill likes silly things. Donner said Murray was nervous and would do anything to avoid getting in front of the camera, from telling stories to removing his wardrobe. The chaos caused by Murray's conduct had repercussions beyond the actors. Veteran cinematographer Conrad Hall was fired shortly after production began, partly over frustration that nobody could ever decide what they were going to be shooting. But the dismissal ended up as a net positive for Hall, who instead went on to Tequila Sunrise, receiving his sixth Oscar nomination. He also walked away from Scrooge with a fake Picasso, four of which were commissioned for an unfilmed scene where Frank's reanimated mentor would have set his office on fire. The other copies went to production designer J. Michael Riva and Richard Donner, who gifted the fourth to his lethal weapon star, Mel Gibson. There were a few bright moments making Scrooged. The studio had wanted the cast and crew to work right through the Christmas holiday, which seems like a very Frank Cross thing to demand. According to Bobcat Goldthwaite, director Richard Donner wasn't feeling quite that Scroogey. He supposedly fired everyone before the holiday and simply rehired them right after Christmas. Throughout the shoot, Donner wasn't entirely confident how the movie would turn out, or, as he phrased it, I always had my car parked facing the gate. That perspective changed when filming Murray's impassioned end scene, at which point Donner says, I saw Bill Murray become an actor. However, the writers didn't feel quite the same way, as every take of the climactic speech continually and defiantly strayed further from their script. They thought Murray was having an on-camera breakdown. Writer Michael O'Donohue later disowned the movie. He didn't think Richard Donner understood humor and subtlety. O'Donohue, who passed away in 1994, estimated that maybe 40% of his original script made it to screen, and described the finished film as, quote, a piece of unadulterated, unmitigated shit. For the movie's music, Donner initially wanted John Williams, but the job went to Danny Elfman, one of his early film scores. Elfman later expressed disappointment that the final tone of Scrooge didn't fit the darker material he had originally composed, and he lamented that his themes were buried in the finished movie. But it did lead to him refining a signature sound that he would soon apply to future work, like his collaborations with Tim Burton. Closing out the movie is a cover version of Jackie DeShannon's Put a Little Love in Your Heart, performed by Annie Lennox and Al Green. Although not a traditional Christmas song, its inclusion in the movie and the radio airtime it received has made it a holiday favorite over the years. But even this was not without controversy. Al Green had left pop music behind to become a reverend, and despite the song's message of caring about fellow humans, he received backlash from the Christian community for making a secular song instead of strictly religious music. With an eventual $32 million invested in the production, Paramount had to ensure they had a big Christmas release that would be accessible to wide audiences. Oscar-winning editor Frederick Steinkamp and his son William shaped the mountain of Murray's madcap ad-libbing into a coherent PG-13 movie, which left a ton of footage on the cutting room floor. As Murray said, we shot a big, long, sloppy movie, so there's a great deal of material that didn't even end up in the film because it just didn't work. Karen Allen said the cost of improvising was that it takes much longer to complete a scene, and she remembers a lot of things were shot that didn't make the cut. Whatever the challenges and friction over the course of production, test audiences didn't seem to care. Scrooge received a 93% approval from early screenings, the highest rating Paramount had ever seen at the time, with particular praise for the sentimental ending scene. The completed movie was released in theaters on November 23, 1988, just in time for the Thanksgiving weekend. It opened in first place and went on to gross more than $100 million worldwide. Critics weren't feeling very charitable, using terms like holiday turkey and as funny as a mugging. Many seemed to consider it just too mean, 
which seems to ignore the fact that Murray plays the modern analog of Ebenezer Scrooge, who was, well, really mean. A character so infamously contemptible that he needed ghosts to terrify him into decency. Although a planned 2006 special edition DVD has still never materialized, in the more than three decades since its original release, Scrooge has become a Christmas time favorite. Sure, there are dated 80s references, Mary Lou Retton, top of the line VCRs, the solid gold dancers, and their nipples. You can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. And the movie's casual depiction of workplace gun violence certainly feels uncomfortable in a time when active shooter situations happen with alarming frequency. But it did seem to anticipate the future of aggressively crass TV programming and its concept of a notorious grump experiencing the events of A Christmas Carol while simultaneously producing a live TV version of A Christmas Carol was meta before meta became commonplace. Despite its arduous production, Richard Donner and the cast have come to embrace the movie in recent years, no doubt thanks to its enduring popularity. Scrooged may be sardonic and unconventional, but its fundamental message of atonement and compassion remains as relevant as ever. Thank you for watching. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel, tell your friends who like this sort of content, and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all our latest videos. We are an independent company and we appreciate your support.